Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. And now, Financial Renaissance with the M's. And as every Sunday morning, it is a great morning. Hope you got your cup of coffee, your mimosa, your Bloody Mary, uh, whatever it is that you have first thing in the morning. Go on and get that. uh, Share with your friends. Today's show is going to be electric. That's right. I said electric. Okay. We're going to be talking about the trade war. Basically, capitalism versus communism. This has been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's coming to a head yet again uh, on October 10th. So I'm going to give you a brief history about that. And then I want to give a shout-out to Sochi, which is uh, basically a a short play on words for South Korea, China. It's a a chef, Caroline uh, Joe and Heather Decker, pastry chef, who came back from Denmark. Is it Denmark? She came back from Denmark or Amsterdam? Amsterdam, Netherlands. I don't know the difference, but I know they speak Dutch. <laughs> so I want to say thank you to them for uh, for blessing us with such a wonderful, wonderful dinner last night. Um, if you look on my Facebook page, I have a Sochi 2019 uh, album, and you can see the foods that we had, uh, pork tenderloin, blah, blah, blah. It was just... I don't even know what we had. It was just delicious, and every course was absolutely fascinating. Um, shout out to Brad, I'm going to cut you, <laughs> Burnett, I'll cut a B, Burnett, uh, David Mattern, Irene, Ted, and Kevin uh, had the best time with you guys last night, and to me, when you break bread with people from different cultures, like, there's so many things that could just kind of, like, we can, we can get past a whole lot of stuff if we just talk to each other, you know what I mean? And have a couple of drinks, have some really good food. We can solve all the world's problems, I, I guarantee it. So um, one of the things I want to talk to everyone about uh, next week and the upcoming weeks are going to be pretty crazy because of what's happening in Washington, D.C. And what we have to do is preserve ourselves and we have to take care of our self-care. Um, So I'm going to be sneaking in some self-care tips, you know, telling you things like turn off your news notifications. A lot of us are going to be triggered by ignorant rhetoric and just ridiculousness, and it's just not necessary. Let things play out the way they need to play out and kind of, you know, turn the news off, turn cable news off. Everything is really being sensationalized and hyped up. And unless it affects or impacts your day-to-day, nine-to-five or your life, just tune it out. It's really, really going to get crazier <laughs> than it was last week in the upcoming weeks. Um, also, we have a special guest, Atlanta City Council member, uh, Antonio Brown, and we're going to be talking about uh, the city of Atlanta and rebuilding wealth in our communities. It's going to be awesome. And then I want to give a shout out to Melinda Gates of the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She has committed a billion dollars towards gender equality. Did you know that there are more men named James running Fortune 500 companies than there are women running Fortune 500 companies? Let that sink in for a minute. That's right. So, um, and, and there's only one woman of color running a Fortune 500 company. And women make up 50% of the population, but only 24% of the seats in Congress. So in order for our country to move forward, we have to make it reflect more of the people that we have in our country. We're too you know, singular focused, and that's not going to help. Now, um, they say that private donors give $9.27 to education, and they give about $5 for the arts. 
uh, for every $1 that they give to Women Issues. So Women Issues are low on the totem pole, but that's all going to be changing. So I'm pretty excited about that. So again, um, if you are a woman-owned business, you may want to check out the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's website and see if you could qualify for any type of, you know, uh, some grant money or something like that. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I am going to talk about communism versus capitalism. Get your thinking hats out, people. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. And now, Financial Renaissance with the M's. Lots of people meet friends and potential love interests online through dating sites, social media, or mobile apps. It can be a great way to meet people, but not everyone is who they say they are online. In fact, scams related to online relationships are on the rise. It's a red flag if the person wants to move quickly to personal email or instant messaging to continue talking. Professors love quickly. Claims to be from the United States, but is working or traveling abroad. Plans to visit, but cancels at the last minute. Ask for money to deal with an emergency or ask you to open a bank account for them. Here are some things you can do. Cut off contact if you suspect a scam. Watch your wallet. Don't wire money, send cash, or put money on gift cards for someone you know only online. Learn more about online relationship scams at aarp.org backslash If you have the questions, we have the answers. Right. Go to ssnatl.com and click on the contact tab. As much as you like. We're the nation's urban station online. ssnatl.com. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. I am the host, your certified financial planner and sometimes genius Emma Folks. You are, we are streaming live on SSNATL.com if you want to listen to us on your way to church, on your way back from church, or if you've got your earbuds on. I'm not saying anything. It's between me or the Lord. Mm, all right. Um, also, uh, if you go to Facebook, uh, if you want to watch the full production version of the show, uh, Go to Sensation Station Network. I think you click like, and then you can watch the show and, you know, all the cool, cool things we have going on. On Twitter, you can follow me at Emma Knows Money on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I need 100 YouTube subscribers so that they can personalize my YouTube page. Can we please do that this week? That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for money. I'm asking for subscriptions. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the studio with uh, Antonio Brown this morning, one of the youngest uh, Atlanta City Council members. Coming up on the show, I'm going to tell you why the nation, the African nation of Zimbabwe, is a little pissed off at the United States. And then, of course, I will have my market movers and losers. But first, let's talk about this trade war and what's really going on between the United States and China. And um, on the 10th, which I believe is this coming Thursday, the United States and China are going to get into talks about the whole uh, trade war. But then there's some other stuff that's been thrown in there about the Bidens, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to put that over to the side because you can get that from any other cable news channel. What I want to do today is make sure that you understand what's really at the, at the core of, of, of uh, between the beef between China 
the Russia, and then with the United States. So today we're going to talk about communism. And, you know, dig, if you will, this picture. If an anarchist and a Marxist went out on a date, somebody decided to hook them up, they had a brief love affair filled with rebellion and a focus on class inequality. And they gave birth to this thing called communism, okay? And the ideology, ideolo ideology <laughs> of communism, thank you, baby, uh, is at its core is about economic equality. So again, communism, uh, their focus is on economic equality. And it's not a very new idea. As a matter of fact, the idea of having a classless society showed itself in ancient Greece. It also showed itself in what was then known as Persia, which is modern-day Iran during the uh, Mazdaq movement. Um, and if we think about Christianity, priests, nuns, uh, monks, people like that, they live in monasteries, and they're living, and sometimes they even call it a commune, right? So they're living kind of a communist lifestyle. Uh, back in the 1500s, there was a gentleman, Englishman, by the name of Thomas More, who came up with a political satire of an island that he dubbed Utopia. And the, the premise of this utopia that we, you know, we joke about it now, uh, it's, its tenets are based on communism. Again, uh, classless society, everybody being equal. Um, also in England, um, early back in the day, there was a, a sect of the Puritans. They called themselves the Diggers, and they were also following the communism doctrine. And then as early as the French Revolution, the whole let them eat cake, the French uh, Revolution was really a communist uprising. So just a little bit of history about you know what communism is, and I'm also going to tell you a little bit about why so many of our older Americans uh, don't like those terms communism and also socialism. So the beautiful thing about being human beings is that we all don't think alike. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also a dangerous thing. And when we look to impose our ideals or um, our thoughts by, on others by whether it's force or the withholding of goods and services or money or food, or we treat people unfairly, when you treat people that way, then they come up with real creative ways to obtain their dignity. Uh, so that they don't have to be embarrassed in front of their kids, in front of their family, and they can feel like they're productive members of society. So the godfather of communism is a man by the name of Karl Marx. And Karl Marx said that inequality and suffering are the end result of capitalism. Ooh, that was deep. You know what that sounds like? they hate democracy, <laughs> right? So in a communist society, the people in essence are gonna own everything together, kind of as a collective. And if there's any benefits or profits, everybody is supposed to share in it and be economic equal. So it doesn't matter if you went to school, went to college for 18 years to become a doctor, doesn't matter if you were a custodian, a teacher, a bus driver, a train conductor, doesn't matter, everybody is the same. Lottie Dottie, everybody is the same. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how Russia and China spread communism through the world and how communism compares to capitalism when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's. Watch Network. All is heating up with new episodes of ITLI. All good with Rita G. Straight Talk with Daphne, Financial Renaissance with Emma Folks, The Live Exchange with Dr. Pamela featuring Robert Pierce, and from the Emmy Award-winning CBS program, The Talk, it's the Cheryl Underwood Show, Whoa. Smart Talk, and an awesome mix for the smarter listener, only on radio that's not dumbed down. That's right, great things happening on Sensation Station Network, radio not dumbed down. And what that means is we're not talking about ratchet stuff. 
I'm telling you things that are educational, that you can think about and figure out how to use it in your day-to-day life. And if it doesn't matter to you, then kind of put it to the side. But when you need it, it'll be in the back of your head. Or when you hear people speaking about socialism and communism, be, you know, correct them. Because people, you misuse terms all the time. Do that for me. (laughs) And if you learn something, make sure that you're teaching other people um, as well. So before the break, I was talking about how communism got its roots um, basically because of anarchists and uh, what was the other one? Marxists got together and they came up with communism. Now, the premise of one of the tenets of communism also is that we should not need a government because, again, everybody is the same. So in its rawest form. Communism wants to squash our American way of life. And I don't know any other way of saying it. And if there's someone who has, you know, is communist leaning and you don't want to be on social media, go ahead and text us at 678-613-5857 and give us your anonymous opinion. And, you know, I'd like to have open dialogue. You know, this is something I think we need to talk about, especially with a lot of the young people looking at socialism as a way for our country to move forward. So with um, the communists believe that in America we only have two classes. You know, we as Americans think we have the poor, we think we have the middle class, we think we have rich, and we think we have the uber rich. The communists believe that we have the working class, which is the majority, who have to work to survive. And then they feel that we have another class called the elitist class or the capitalist class. And they're the minority of our society. And they say that our capitalist class survives by employing the working class because they own everything. They own the raw materials, the buildings, the uh, machine equipment, or just sheer knowledge. So some of these things can be whether physical or non-physical, tangible or intangible, but these are the things used to produce economic value. So we hear those GDP numbers, that, that's producing economic value, and that's what each country needs to do to grow. We used to be one of the top, but it looks like we're going to be losing out to China a little bit. So when you hear um, AOC or Bernie Sanders, when you hear people call them socialists or communists, you know, this is why. They are saying things that are triggering older Americans. Uh, So people who were born in the 50s, uh, early 60s, these are people that um, literally had to crawl underneath their desks. So at schools now, we have drills where for active shooters. Back in the day, our grandparents and some of our parents used to do drills for nuclear wars, thinking that the Russians were going to get us. So we were anti-communist. And the FBI, I believe, also got its start because of a a group in America called the Bolsheviks. They were uh, from Russia. They believed in communism, and they did a lot of domestic terrorism stuff in our country. So when you hear older people say stuff about communism and socialism, just have a little bit of patience and ask questions to try to understand where they came from. Now, back in the 1900s, early 1900s in Russia, um, they had kind of kings and queens. They called them czars, and I'm going to say czar. What's a female czar, Kamal? Czarette? Great. So (laughs) I think the Romanov family may have been the last czar family and there's some movies that were made about you know the daughter uh that family i guess they got in today's world it would be home invaded they were held uh captive and then the family was assassinated they think that one or two of the family members escaped i believe the little girl's name was anastasia romanoff and you know the people left with everything all the wealth that they could carry um so russia is the most dominant force uh, against the United States, and they're on the other side of the globe. So, and they were also a military powerhouse. So they spread communism around Eastern Europe, uh, because East, you know, Europe is touches. They're on the same border with Russia, and the same thing with China. China and, and Russia, they're uh, 
border neighbors, just like we are with Canada and Mexico. So it took 40 years for communism to really set roots in modern-day China. And communism also spread throughout Asia in Vietnam and North Korea, where, where are places that we have had you know, military conflicts with, as well as in the Caribbean, they took hold in, um, in Cuba. And we, all, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis where we almost went to war with them um, over communism and, and uh, nuclear stuff. Uh, now, at the time that communism was taking roots in Russia, on the other side of the globe, here in the United States, we were doing cool things like inventing cars, and trying to fly airplanes and we were like building like cool beautiful bridges like the Brooklyn Bridge and skyscrapers like the Empire State Building and we had uh, child labor laws and mandatory education for children. Conversely in Russia at that same time they were the poorest nation in Europe. Uh, the majority of their people were so poor um, many of them went to bed without food, and a lot of them were illiterate. So the Russian rebels uh, who spread communism, they were known as the Bolsheviks, and their slogan was peace, bread, and land. That's crazy, right? So, um, so when our recollection of Russia, uh, and I'm in my 50s, Russia wasn't Russia. It was called the Soviet Union. Um, Russia changed lanes at a certain point, and they became known as the USSR. And I think some Bruce Springsteen or somebody has a song, Back in the USSR. You don't know, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so, um, so that you know, the USSR stands for United Soviet Socialist Republic. Okay, and they were no longer communists, they were now socialists. And not gonna get into all of that, but you knew who they were because everybody has like gang signs. So the gang signs of the communists and socialists back in the day was a sickle and hammer or a red star. So if you saw it like on a political flag or a country flag, you kind of knew what they, were, what they believed in and you just wanted to kind of leave them alone a little bit. So um, again, when we're thinking about what we're talking about in our country, when we have a situation when the haves, the divide, between the haves and the have-nots gets greater and people don't have the basic dignity of being able to raise their children properly, feed their children properly, and feel proud that they're able to provide for their families, you get a little bit of a revolt, a little bit of a revolution and revolutionary ideas. It's not safe for our country um, to not uh, look at income equality. Okay, um, we are in a in a situation now where we have to think about when is enough enough. We also have to think about things like manufacturing. We ship manufacturing overseas uh, to save money, to save corporations money. Um, but in doing that, we didn't replace that income. We didn't replace those jobs with other things so that uh, people in the, they call it the flyover states in rural America, places like that, people who weren't educated so that they can have a good standard of living. Last week I did a story that people earning minimum wage cannot afford an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment, anywhere in our country. And that's not what we're about. So it's time for us to really think it's election season. And as you hear these politicians talking, we need to listen to someone who is talking about moving our country forward. And when I say moving our country forward, we don't have to think about bringing things back to our country. It just may not be right for us to be involved in coal anymore or uh, non-renewable energies and gas. We should be thinking about other stuff. So I uh, you know, challenge you as you're listening to the debates, I think the debates come on this week or next week, pay attention to what these politicians are saying and go to their websites and look up what their plans are for moving our country forward. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M, City Council Member Antonio Brown, be back in 300 seconds.
And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the MBE Amazing, Emma folks. <laughs> and we are here um, with City Councilman, uh, City Council Member, Antonio Brown, the one of the youngest of all time, right? <laughs> and on Emma Knows Money later on in the show, I'm going to tell you 17 things that you need to look for when you're browsing through those contracts online and it's like you want to opt in or whatever and you don't know what the heck you're giving up. Um, I'm going to tell you certain words and phrases that you need to watch out for so that you can understand better um, what you're giving up. You know, data is important. <laughs> I didn't realize how important data is. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. I for am so me. honored to have you here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I met you, I think it was about a, over a year ago. About two years about ago. About two years ago at the uh, Gentleman's Foundation, you were speaking to um, a group of young men, and you were giving a motivational speech, and I was absolutely in awe. I ran home and told my wife all about you, like, oh, my gosh, there's this young guy, and, oh, he's so amazing, and, oh, he's a millennial, and he's so amazing. Are you a millennial? I am a millennial. Yeah, yeah. and he's so amazing and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I was, I was sweating you. <laughs> I was oh, sweating well, you hard. You. I was so impressed with what you were doing. And most importantly was the, the information that you were giving back to the young men that were in the room. Um, I think it's very important um, in our community to give back. And give back. giving back does not always involve money. Giving back, if you, if you can afford it, also means time. And any time that you can spend with the younger generation, it's time well spent. It, it's paying it forward, right? No, I agree. And um, yeah, so I still I actually recorded some of that, uh, some of that speech that you that you did that day. And I'm reading that book on um, the Dalai Lama, the one that Deepak wrote. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I read at night before I go to bed, um, as I'm trying to quiet my mind down. Um, I've been meditating now for about four years, and it has changed my life. Like literally, it has changed my life. It's That's helped me, you know. It 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 helps me uh, remember who I am and and what my purpose is in the world. And so for that, I'm I'm you know always forever grateful. And the book, the story is so intriguing. Um, for those of you who are interested in, um, you know, whether it's the Dalai Lama, etc. There's a book, a movie called Kudon, which uh, it was done possibly in the 90s, and it's a really nice story of how they pick the Dalai Lama or how the Dalai Lama is chosen. A great, great movie to watch um, so that you can understand what's going on there. But let's talk about you. So you were elected. Was it a special election? It was. It was a special election and in is April. And in District 3? District 3, Which yeah. is Vine City, Atlantic Station, and... English. It's 16 communities. 16 communities. So it goes from the Atlantic Station area all the way down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Okay. So all the communities. That's a large... Yeah, it's about 40,000 constituents. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So how does it feel now, like the transition between being, you know, a citizen to now city councilman? Um, you know, it's been it's been great. It's been a bit uh, overwhelming and, a, and, and consuming. Um, I guess coming into this work, you don't really know what to expect in, until you're actually in it. Right. And being in it... Um, it's been really consuming. Like, we've been going nonstop probably seven days a week since I was elected for probably eight to ten hours a day. 
So it's been a lot, but it's we've been able to do some great things in the community. So now, I'm grateful. Are you taking care of your self-care? Self-care, yes. Yes, are you I, working out, eating right? So I have not been working out. Okay. <laughs> a chance, but I am refocusing. And, and you mentioned meditation and, you know, I always feel like when you're out in in the world doing great work for the people that sometimes you lose sight of you mm -hmm. and that in losing sight of you you put other people's needs before your own yes. uh, so this has reminded me to put my self-care first so I'm now getting back on track with going back to meditating and the gym and yeah in order to me in order to give people our best we have to take care of ourselves first Absolutely. and give ourselves a break there's always so many so many distractions so much noise coming in that we don't have time to really focus and think and that's where I think the meditation even if you can't you know keep your mind still or not think about stuff just not having any input coming yeah. in sometimes is good so that's like one of the first things I do in the morning before I have a cup of coffee before I speak to anybody I take 30 minutes for myself first and that way, if the, no matter how crazy the day gets, I at least fed myself, Absolutely. you know, spiritually, mentally yeah. uh, first. So I know that you've got a couple of initiatives happening in the city. Um, what is the, I heard about the community loan fund? Yes. What, what is that? So, um, you know, as a small business owner, I own a fashion brand called Level 13. And I moved to Atlanta to launch the brand. And through the process of me doing that, I, I faced a lot of hardship. Mm -hmm. And I didn't qualify for traditional lending because as an entrepreneur, a small business owner, I was leveraging my personal credit to sustain my business. So my debt to income ratio was high. My utilization was high. And it, and it didn't allow me to qualify for the traditional uh, capital that I needed from financial institutions. So when I was elected to city council, one of the first things I did was... Um, meet with Invest Atlanta, which is the economic development arm for the city, as well as the mayor's office, and we work together to um, create what we call the Community Loan Fund. And it's basically, it allows credit disadvantaged small businesses to be able to borrow up to $30,000, I'm sorry, $50,000, okay. and there's a 3% fixed interest rate. Nice. For Right. How many, what's the, the length? So they can borrow uh, the funds for up to seven years. Um, so the payments are pretty manageable for the small businesses. Mm -hmm. They can borrow up to 50000 three-month, three 3% fi um, uh, fixed interest rate, and a three-month uh, deferment on their first payment. But what makes it really unlike any other product that's offered in this market, in the financial marketplace, is the fact that because of my experiences with leveraging my personal credit, we're allowing borrowers to take up to 30000 and pay down personal debt that they utilize to sustain that their business. That is beautiful. Now, for those of you who are not business owners, okay, business owners are, to me, the lifeblood of our, of our country and our economy. And business owners take chances that most people will, would not. I mean, it, it's we will jump off a building and figure out how to build a parachute. 
like just on faith there's a lot of stuff that we do on faith and take a lot of chances i think this is an excellent program and i think everybody needs to know like we really need to push this so if you are in the atlanta city of atlanta yes city of atlanta area um you'll tell them like towards the end of the show how to go online and look for it and and everything else so is the business still is your business still going yes we're in the uh transition stage right now uh where we're moving into an e-commerce platform everything is moving towards digital so you know retail is becoming more about the experience and not about actually buying goods yes so um we're really focusing the brand in that area and um I haven't really announced this publicly yet, but we're going to be making an announcement for a CEO who's who will be I will be transitioning the business to while I continue to pursue the political. And arena. this CEO will come to visit me. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> so it, it, to to bring up his point about retail, you know, some the jobs numbers and some numbers were released uh, this past Friday, and in retail, retail is dying. Retail lost eleven thousand jobs. And again, I I don't bring up um, the negatives to to scare everyone, but if you are in retail, you have to realize that your days are numbered. And so it's up to you to, you know, you can go to the Department of Labor. Maybe you can talk about some ways for people to get retrained, whether it's in computers or technology or to do something. Um, We had in manufacturing, we lost 2,000 jobs. And I believe in construction, conversely, we gained 7,000, which was, you know, which was a plus. But, you know, when we talk about the numbers of jobs that are that are going uh, non-payroll, non-farm payroll jobs, we thought we were going to um, do about 145,000 jobs for the month of September. We only did 136. The unemployment rate was at about uh, 3.5, they say the lowest since 1969, but we know our communities and we know that there's underemployment. Oh, uh, you know, people that may have made 50000 and now they can only find a job making thirty-five. Yes, they're working, but they're not making enough. And then wage growth. Wage growth was supposed to grow at about 3.2%, but it only grew 2.9%. So those three numbers show us that our economy is now contracting. You know, we were uh, expanding, but now things are starting to slow down. And as the economy starts to slow down, you have to start thinking for yourself. If the company that you're working for starts... Uh, taking away the flavored creamer and taking away the cups and the paper plates disappear and you go from, you know, nice soft toilet paper to one ply and no paper towels, it's time for you to start looking for another job. <laughs> you know, that facts. Yeah. That's just how it is. And you know what's so interesting is is that we need to start looking at livable wages as a as a local government, as a state, as a federal government. Because like you said, even though unemployment um maybe down down. you know quote unquote down the reality is is that it's down but people are still not surviving in an environment and condition that's conducive of success in their lives yeah when we come back on financial renaissance with the m's i'm going to ask you about the blight free advisory board and we can talk a little bit more about income inequality or income equality when we come back on financial renaissance with the m's big business this is the american Greater vibes and an awesome mix. It's what weekends should strive to be. So relax. We'll take it from here. Not dumbed down since day one. SSNATL.com. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. I am blessed. 
in the studio this morning, we have Kamal, our intern, genius, <laughs> and we have city council member Antonio Brown, the one of the youngest, <laughs> one of the brightest. Oh, and my wife, Katrina. Sorry. <laughs> she threw her hands up at me. Whoa. I don't know. That's the first time she's ever asked to be announced. Cool. All right. So before the break, we, we talk, or actually during the break, we were having conversations about um, home ownership and density and affordable housing for people. And you said something that we're doing here in the city that I knew nothing about. Yeah. Um, we're moving into a place of modular development. Um, the city, uh, the economic development arm of our city is actually funded um, the... Um, uh, the infrastructure of manufacturing facilities here in the city of Atlanta. So in my opinion, I believe that modular development is going to become the future of housing. And even though it may take away some jobs from the traditional construction um, um, type of way that we've built uh, homes in the past, I believe it's the future of our country. I think it, I, I agree with you. As you mentioned, you know, uh, traditional constructing and subcontractors and a lot of that stuff, there's a lot of waste. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of time. You know, they do a job and then they don't come back and et cetera, et cetera. And with these prefabricated and modular homes, you said they can be built in four days. In four days. Can you imagine? ordering a house and a week later it being built and brought to your land, your property set on a foundation and you move in. I couldn't imagine. We, what would it take us, Trina, six, was it six to nine months if we redo our house? Six wow. to nine months. Yeah, And, and you, you have to go, go live to, somewhere else. You can go up to four stories, too, in the module. Actually, modular development, you can actually go higher than four stories. Um, it just changes from a wood frame to a steel frame okay. as you continue to go higher. But I'm telling you, it's the future of housing. And, um, and not only that, but it saves an individual so much money yes. when they go that route as opposed to the traditional yes. construction and route. And we are all about saving money, especially when we are plagued with income inequality. For the last 40 years, wages have been stagnant. And to me, if something is stagnant, it's actually dropping. Mm -hmm. Because in, in, in our world, if you're standing still, you're falling behind, mm -hmm. okay? So wages have gone down and people have to do a lot more. There's no more 40 hour work week for most adults, okay? Mm -hmm. Most adults, and you yourself said, hey, I'm working eight to 10 hours a day, seven days a week, right? Yeah. And that's that's the norm. I don't think that that's a great um, plan. I know a lot of younger people, millennials, don't wanna work those hours. They saw what happened to my generation. They don't wanna do that. A lot of marriages broke up because of uh, work and us not being there with our kids and things like that. And I think the younger generation saw that and they rejected, and I'm wholeheartedly okay with that. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, community engagement task force. So, um, you know, one of the things I realized when campaigning was that majority of the folks in my district felt disenfranchised from the civic process within our city. And growing up Jehovah Witness, uh, I never really partook in the political process. I really wasn't in that environment. Um, so I didn't really... I wasn't really set on Democrat, Republican, Independent. I, I didn't really understand like neighborhood associations okay. or MPUs just because I was I, I, I didn't vote. And What's I an MPU? It's a neighborhood planning unit. Okay. And they're really here in uh, the city of Atlanta. Okay. Um, Maynard Jackson 
um, one of our former mayors, he set up this system to be able to give community and residents a voice when it comes to what happens within our city government. Yeah. You know what I would really, what would make me happy is to see more cops that reflect the neighborhoods that they're patrolling. Absolutely, and I that's think, happening. Yeah, I think we went away from, um, you know, the, and I don't want to say good old days because I, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in good old days. You know, there's a certain part, portion of our country that they see the good old days, and for us, it was disinf You know, it was, it was something else. It was terror and horror. Um, but I think that when the police are in a neighborhood and get to know people and walk the streets and say hi to people, one, it'll give that feeling of safety back. And then two, if you see Joe Knucklehead doing something silly, you take him home to his mom. I mean, boys are going to be boys, girls are going to be girls, kids are going to be kids, but the kids in our communities need to be given that chance to be kids and be knuckleheads like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think the police force has a lot to do with that. Yeah, we're doing more community policing. and. Um, part of the reason why I did the Community Engagement Task Force was because I wanted to be able to fund an opportunity to go back out into the community and build relationships with the residents, to educate them on their civic responsibility, to educate them on the neighborhood planning units and neighborhood associations, but also find out who's registered to vote, who's not registered to vote, who's a convicted felon that doesn't understand their rights that they can get back to partake in the political that process. Is so important. Um, there are convicted felons who did their time. Mm -hmm. They paid their they paid their penance to society. So now that they are reformed, reha rehabilitated, or now that they have different opportunities that they may not have had when they were younger, uh, now that they're out and they're ready to contribute to society, they should also be allowed to vote. Um, it's a way of to me. You don't want to. Con take away people's uh, ability to make choices. I think when you do that, it, it becomes a little dangerous. Yeah, you know, I was at, uh, yesterday I spoke at the Emory School of Law, and we spoke about um, the school to prison pipeline. And I mentioned that for me, I think it starts before school. I think it's a home to school to prison pipeline. And the reality is, is that our judicial system hasn't ever really been a place for reform or rehabilitation. And I don't think that the system, the prison system, was ever established to be a, a system of rehabilitation or reform. And, and, our, and the recidivism rate is a reflection of that. And now, um, now that we're looking at it from a holistic perspective, we're starting to realize, like, wow, this is not really working. No, there are more African-American men or men of color in prison today than there were men as slaves, African slaves, you know, 200 years ago. It's modern-day slavery. It is modern-day slavery. It's free labor. There's the private prisons. You know, there are judges now that are actually going to jail because they um, um, – gave people sentences that shouldn't have been given sentences. And uh, were invested in some of the prisons <laughs> yes. that they were sentencing <laughs> folks to. Yes. So we, when you start yes, to look are. at the history of it, I mean, and, and then a lot of these folks are coming from places of intergenerational poverty where this is hopelessness yes their, their parents were in poverty their parents parents were in poverty their parents parents were in poverty and potentially slaves so when you begin to really have these conversations i think it's important to really understand that we can't continue as a nation to be reactive 
Correct. We have to be proactive Correct. and come up with permanent solutions in and addressing these issues. To me, that also starts with the education system. And I think just like I, I feel that there should be um, you know, neighborhood policemen, like if you're a police officer, you should live in that neighborhood that where you're a police. Get mm -hmm. to know your people. Same thing I think is true about teachers. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to have more teachers in our schools that reflect the neighborhood. Um, I know in my mother's day and age, you know, their teachers lived in the neighborhood and the teacher would actually walk the kids home when they were in trouble. And I mean, think about the impact of that. Mm -hmm. So we do need to have um, some type of shift. But again, it, to me, it comes back down to income. Yeah. Okay. Because if parents have enough income, um, they're going to be able to do different things with their children. They're going to be able to expose them to the arts. They're going to be able to take them on vacations. And when you expose someone's mind to other cultures, you're exposing them to be able to have thoughts, not, not so much a nationalistic or, you know, my neighborhood or my, you know, you kind of see the world in a broader sense. And I think that if we have income equality, we'll get more of that. If we bring the arts back into schools, taking the arts away from schools is a cruel thing to do. When I was a kid, um, the cruel thing they did was uh, they took away um, fruit. Uh, I went to a public school um, for a little while in New York City, and during the Reagan administration, um, they had determined that um, tomatoes were fruit. And since tomatoes were fruit and we had ketchup to go on burgers or french fries, we therefore had our fruit. And, you know, I thought back then, like, That's I will crazy. never, I will never have my kids, you know, endure such nonsense and blah, blah, blah. You know, I've always been a little bit of a, of a rebel. But I think that um, I love what you're doing in the city. I love the city of Atlanta. Um, when my son graduated from um, high school, my wife and I looked at a map and tried to figure out where the heck we wanted to live. And we came right back to, I think we, <laughs> I think we have to stay here. So while we're here, we're committed to making this city, you know, what it is and then some and Absolutely. even more you know um what about the um rebuilding generational wealth are you encouraging people to buy property in their neighborhoods yeah so it's interesting right i want to touch on something you mentioned before um right now and some of i i represent some of the poorest communities in the entire city of atlanta and in doing so we have kids families being displaced every day because there's no state statute to support rent control and only eight percent of the folks in some of my communities own their own home so that means 92 percent of the people in a lot of my poorest communities and many of, of my poorest communities are renting and because there's no state statute to support rent control the rising rent prices are displacing residents from their communities and guess what happens these families get dis displaced these kids get pulled out of school and what happens and statistics has shown this when a kid is displaced from school when they get back into school they're a grade level or two behind and they're struggling in two core areas which is math and reading so I've come up with uh, a, a special project that I'm focusing on which is how do we build affordable supportive housing for these families that um, will allow them to stay in their communities, but this supportive affordable housing will be inclusive of the teachers, the principals, and the families and kids. So this will be a housing oh. focused around education, and the supportive services will be around math and reading. You know, I think in D.C. back in the 90s, I believe in the city of D.C., District of Columbia, the 
civil servants, teachers, firefighters, police officers got a discount on rent or something like that, or there was something they did to make things a little bit easier for them, which I think makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. You know, they, people educating our children, you know, that, that's such a responsibility. You know, yeah. you are molding, you have the ability to mold the minds of our future. And to me, we need to also look at, um, you know, increasing their pay. How does that happen? Taxation. Mm -hmm. In our country, we've, uh, we, you know, our country was founded because we didn't like taxes. We were, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we, we threw a revolution because we, you know, to no taxation without representation, you know, and, and went to war. But however, taxation does help. You know, um, if you're driving around and the roads are, you know, beat up and, you know, you have potholes, that's because there isn't enough tax money. Um, if you look at the education system and you look at the books and things like that, tax money. You know, there's a lot of things that come by tax money, but, you know, here in the South, people are just, oh, taxes, taxes, and they freak out, but everyone, everyone wants the benefit of taxes. Absolutely. Everyone wants uh, police officers. They want firefighters. They want, you know, utilities. They want all this stuff, but nobody wants to pay for it. How do you or how does the city, is the city even planning on uh, how can they get people more comfortable with taxes? Well, I think the reality is, you said something, um, in order for us to be a formidable city, a local government that could provide the resources that our residents need, especially our most vulnerable residents, we have to be able to all contribute to the tax digest. And I think to do that, it's, it's more about the education around the civic process and the understanding of financial literacy. We don't really do that right now. Right. You know, so I think all of that contributes to folks understanding how they contribute to our society and our communities every day. Yeah, when we come back in, Tony, I want to I want to dig into that a little bit more and see if we can kind of dissect things. I want to solve the world's problems today on financial, <laughs> financial renaissance with the M's. <laughs> Coming up on financial renaissance with the M's. We're going to have a great show. We have uh, my Emma Knows Money, 17 things that you need to look for when you're looking at contract before you opt in or accept. 17 words or phrases that you need to figure out. Also, my top five news stories of the week. I'm going to be telling people about mortgages. People are going to be able to put 3% down, not just F FHA anymore. Also, Facebook is back in the news again. Um, again, they were my, they're like that little brother that constantly gets in trouble. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we have Antonio Brown. We're going to talk about reinvesting in our communities on Financial Renaissance with the M's. And we are back. <laughs> we are back with a city council member, Atlanta city council member, Antonio Brown. How many people live in the city of Atlanta? Uh, there's about uh, close to 500,000 folks. Now, with the new census, I think that's going to change. Mm -hmm. uh, the census in 2020, because the last update was done in 2010. Um, so there's a lot changing. We're also doing a redistricting in the in the area. So um, you may see a, a, quite a bit of uh, gerrymandering happening in, in a lot of our communities where folks try to reshape. Yeah, people were pretty angry about that. Again, um, you know, if, if you live in an area and the representative does not represent your neighborhood, there's a problem. Like Absolutely. you, you have to... Um, 
you know, I, I don't believe in the fair word as an adult, but there's certain things that need to be uh, on the up and up. And that's one of those things is don't disenfranchise people. Um, if they, if let them elect who they want to elect, people that uh, should represent them. It know? should always be equitable. Always. Always. Yeah. So let's talk about rebuilding generational wealth, and especially with the city with a history as rich as the city of Atlanta. You know, um, there are two cities that um, I, I moved to Atlanta from Orange County, California. And I left Orange County, California. Um, the PC reason is, you know, I was in the IT industry and I wanted to uh, go to where the, the, you know, Atlanta was the hot spot for IT jobs at the time. But the real reason why I left Orange County was because there's like, it was like 1% people of color. And I didn't want my son to grow up in, a, in an area where he didn't see other people that looked like him. I wanted him to have other role models and look up to people. And I wanted to go to a city that had educated African Americans. My son's half African American and half Caribbean, right? So I wanted him to see that. And DC was one of those cities, but Atlanta was also one of those cities. It was a lot cheaper. <laughs> so I, I opted on Atlanta. And I, the history of Atlanta is just beautiful. It is. Um, so what do we do to get um, the wealth back into these communities? Yeah, I think you have to create the opportunities. Um, you have to start being mindful of the opportunities that we're bringing into the city and ensuring that they're a reflection of allowing residents, especially those in, that have been disenfranchised, that are underserved and underprivileged, the opportunity to rebuild generational wealth. And some of those ways that we're doing in District 3 specifically is we're looking at co-ops, right? We're looking at co-op grocery stores where residents can buy in by units, mm -hmm. no matter what level you buy in at, right? Whether it's a dollar or it's a million dollars, you buy in by units. And the way that it works is is that you then contribute to this overall system where a board is formed and that board is a reflection of all the folks that have bought into the units of this co-op grocery store. And it provides a way for folks to start becoming vested in their community. So let me... I need you to dumb this down for me a little bit, because when I think of co-op and, and, and grocery stores uh, in the 70s or 80s, it was a Reverend Sun Young Moon. It was a cult, and they had, like, this communistic thing. So as you're talking to me, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> And I know that that's not the case, right? No, I know no. that's not the case. So, you know, again, where my vantage point comes from. So if, if, if I'm in the city and I'm buying into this grocery store, what does that mean? Do I get free groceries? No, it oh. means that you're contributing basically to the sustainability of the grocery store like it would be like as if you and I decided to open up a grocery store together okay. we're still running a business it doesn't mean you can just go in there and take and and yeah. and, and, and buy groceries it. for free <laughs> right. because if you're running a sustainable business then you're contributing to the overall operations of that so business. do the do the people that are contributing um, also get uh, profits from absolutely okay. so so, okay. so there's a dividend there's okay. a dividend paid out um, and it's really how you structure it so as you buy into units then those units would then translate into profitability once the business is profitable all right I want to um, um, come back to some co-ops I've got some other questions for you when we come back on financial renaissance with the M's Energizing a nation, one listener at a time. It's SSNATL.com, radio that's not dumbed down. Get up. 
you are listening to Financial Renaissance with the M's. I'm a hip-hop head, man. I've lived on Hip Hop Boulevard in New York. Um, listen, great show today. We have City Council Member Antonio Brown. We have my Emma Knows Money, my top five stories of the week, and also my market movers and losers. You are listening to us live on SSNATL.com. If you want to see the produced version of the show you can go to facebook go to um you can do facebook.com backslash not dumbed down or you can look for sensation station network uh hit the like button and you can see the show uh in all its grandness <laughs> so let me give you uh, some self-care tips because we're going to be dealing with a heck of a lot of stuff this coming week and weeks having to do with what's going on in washington and impeachment and blah 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 and blah 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 it's just all noise to me at this point so number one make sure you get some sleep get enough rest only you know how much rest you should get if it's between watching ratchet television and getting some z's get your z's also take care of your gut what that means is make sure you're eating foods that can uh, attribute to gut health uh, how do you know that you have gut problems if you've got that tire or that donut in your middle section that means you're under a lot of stress <laughs> so you got to do some stuff to get rid of that gut because that's a sign that things are not so that you're not so healthy also make sure exercise people is a part of your daily routine you know if you especially if you're getting some cardio in cardio gets those endorphins going the endorphins going gets gets rid of a lot of that negativity and that self-doubt and then of course make sure you're eating right and one of the biggest things that I've learned for self-care is being able to say no to others can you do that that's tough <laughs> I was expecting to hear you go yes oh, that's tough she's like eh, no, yeah, no that's kind of tough for me. <laughs> yeah you got to be able to say no to others when it comes to self time self-care yeah, right. certain you got to block off some time for Antonio okay yeah, yeah. in order for you to go out there and be great every day got to take some time for you Absolutely. so b before the break we we looked at um, we discussed uh, generational wealth we talked about these co-ops and I wanted to know if there was any type of uh, cooperative housing or anything like that happening in the city yes yeah, so um, we are actually uh, focusing on on housing from two different spectrums from those that actually have acquired land or own land um, in certain communities where it may have been pays, passed down from generation mm -hmm. to generation and they may not have the financial fortitude to actually like develop the property or build out the property and it may be sitting dilapidated mm -hmm. we're creating a co-development opportunity where we will partner those owners with actually the resources to develop their property which i think is so important and it creates a profit sharing model where they work together with the developer to build this property into whatever they may need it to be or want it to do be. Do they have to live in it or can they rent it no, out? No, they can rent it out. I mean, it's a situation where a lot of the properties we're focusing mm -hmm. are vacant and abandoned properties, which is part of the blight-free advisory board okay. is we're focusing on these dilapidated properties that owners don't have the resources to build out and partnering them with developers. Now, is this just in the city, like the, the, the city of Atlanta, and do the people that partner, do the partners, can they come from anywhere, or do they have to be residents of the city of Atlanta? No, the partners can come from anywhere, and it is specifically this pilot is being ran in my district. It's okay. a part of the Bly Free Advisory Board. 
um, and we're running the pilot to test how effective it will be and then um, introduce it to some of the other districts. But when you talk about generational wealth, I, th I just think it's so important that we continue to contribute to um, educating and also providing the necessary resources. And the education piece is understanding why it's so important to own a home as opposed to renting. And you said something on one of the breaks about now um, millennials or generations are not really they don't want to be homeowners yeah they, they don't they want to they can't they rather, afford it yeah and they Some would of them rather rent too yeah. because they don't they don't see the value anymore in ownership right and that that's again this is a generation that saw their parents overworking and then saw their parents get decimated during the great recession yeah so i i wholeheartedly understand it but again in order for us to keep that wealth divide from from widening we have to include home ownership property ownership um what do you think about um uh you know there's a lot of young people who you know you said don't want to own homes you you think they should look at condominiums you think they should they're supposed to be like a um, what do they call it? Like, you know how they have the co-working spaces? They're looking at co-living spaces now so that millennials won't feel so lonely and things like that. Is anything like that happening in the city? So you know what we're trying to bring back that I think is super important and it, it kind of died out for a period of time because there wasn't much focus mm -hmm. is le lease-to-own options. Oh. Um, you know, being able to move a renter from a place of just like, and, and through this lease-to-own option, um, you're being educated on home ownership. You're being educated on financial literacy. So through this lease to own option, you're actually learning and growing and realizing the importance of why home ownership can contribute to generational yes. wealth. Yes. Do you know who Chub Rock is? I don't. No. Okay. Chub Rock is a, that's <laughs> fascinating. A rapper uh, from the late 90s, uh, educated guy uh, of Jamaican descent. And I got to interview him um, probably in April. And one of the things that he said was that we should, that people should self-gentrify, that what's the hood today won't be the hood in 10 years. So you might as well get in on the ground floor. And, you know, just like Antonio was saying, you know, if you, if you have a way to get a hold of some of these properties and, you know, buy them, get them fixed up, you know, rent them out, you know, you definitely want to look in that. When we come back with Antonio on Financial Renaissance with the M's, he'll tell you how to get in touch with him and the city for some of these programs. connected than ever before. 90% of America's students use some form of social media, but not all of it's used in a good way. Hurtful posts online are leading to social isolation for many. Psychologists say it's bullying in a brand new way. Well, beyond differences in I Keep Safe are looking to change that with ideas for students, their parents, and even teachers. Take the pledge to be kind online and learn more at wearekindonline.com. Tune in to the Cheryl Underwood Show. That's what I'm talking about, Cheryl Underwood Radio. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, on the only station that gives you smart talk with an awesome mix. Yes, I feel like y'all got some rest. <laughs> SSNATL.com, radio that's not dumbed down. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. And I'm here with smiling Antonio Brown, the city councilman. Hey, listen, great things are happening tomorrow on Sensation Station Network. You have to tune in. This is one of the best. Are we not the number one digital station in America? 
Yes, we are the number one station in <laughs> the number one digital station in America. You need to tune in. It is radio not dumbed down. We challenge you intellectually. You know, we're here to um, solve the ills of our country. You know, our country's going down this this uh, what do you call it, razor blades uh, slide uh, with alcohol, and, you know, we can fix this. It, it, we are all American. I am patriotic. I love this country. Glad I live here. Um, and just like a family that is a little flawed, we're a little flawed, but there's so much potential. Absolutely. You know, and um, one of our viewers asked a question about uh, potential of co-opting and partnering people with each other. Did you want to speak on that a little? Yeah, no, I think that, that um, what was asked was how could we help augment people's needs to pay for their homes and upgrade them. And that's part of what we're piloting through the Blight Free Advisory Board, where we're going to be partnering homeowners with the resources that they need to, to upgrade their homes and potentially either uh, rent them out or create some kind of profit sharing model with the resources that we're partnering with. So I think that that's super important. Yeah, one of the, the board that I'm on, Zami Nobla, we have a home that we are have gotten ready for a lesbian, two lesbian um, elderly people to live in, and it'll be a retirement home. And we're going to wow. see more of that stuff happening Absolutely. Uh, throughout the country. But there is a, there's a housing uh, shortage for young people as well as older people and in other countries they're putting them together mm -hmm. um, they're putting um, college students in old age homes and it's been a nice mixture you know um, of so that people don't feel so lonely anymore so I would love and can't wait to see more of that happening you know within the cities the older communities they don't want to be isolated mm -hmm. and they need to be in the cities they need to be around people they need to see little kids when they're coming home from school and be able to tell on them and tell their parents we need to go back to that type of community that would make yeah. me happy everything's becoming more relative now yeah. where um you know when you think about it mixed income affordable housing is for everyone right. because you're creating these um like these structures these homes where folks can live together in an environment and be aspired right the like you said you see a man in a suit you're like, where are you going? What do you do? You start to ask questions, yes. which begins to challenge your mind, and you also have something to look forward to. We developed projects in this country when we started to put all the poor people in one housing one area, structure yeah. and, and told them to live together without the resources and the needs, and they became It was, became a, it the was hood. a great experiment called the ghetto, and it started in Germany. Um, it's a dismal failure, and, you know, we need to, we need to get away from that. Can you tell our viewers and listeners how to get involved with some of these projects that you brought up today? Yeah, I mean, folks have to start engaging their local governments. I mean, I didn't realize how important it was until I was elected as an Atlanta City Council person, but the reality is is that we have a voice, but most of us don't exercise our vote, our, 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 our voice or our vote. Right. And we don't realize how powerful our vo voice is. The people like me that represent the, the vast majority of the constituents in all 12 of our city districts, we, we, we are held accountable by, by you all, by the residents, by the constituents of these districts. So if you voice your opinions, if you come to our city council meetings, every other Monday we have full council meetings held at City Hall at 55 Trinity Avenue Southwest. Uh, we have committee meetings. I, I sit on community development human services, so that has to do with anything around community development or 
issues when it comes to resources for residents to be able to move their lives forward. Come, speak about your problems. Talk about the issues that you're facing. Talk about transportation. Yeah. Talk about, you know, the, the your utilities. Talk about that stuff. Our potholes in the streets. You know, I mean, to, to talk about how rent is rising and there's yeah. no state statute to support it and how we need to encourage our our, our, our house representatives in, in the state house of Georgia to do something. About you know, it. I think one of the things in Georgia that we need to do is realize that we are in this together. No matter what our backgrounds are, no matter what we look like, it's not about race. It's not about, you know, which economic class you're in. We are all intertwined, whether we want it to happen or not. And to me, again, starting with education, starting with the home, starting with, you know, once out, once they're out the womb, out the womb humans need certain, they have certain needs that have to be met. Um, and ho I'm, I'm so proud of what you're doing. I'm oh, so proud you. of what the city of Atlanta is doing. Like, real talk, I'm, I'm very, very proud at the strides of, of moving forward because I think that you guys are setting an example for southern cities and just for cities around the country. Absolutely. Uh, I, am, I am absolutely baffled. But hang out with me for, for one second. Um, listen, HP, Hewlett Packard, um, is cutting 16% of their workforce. Wow. That is seven to 9,000 jobs. They have a new CEO coming in November, and they're trying to cut, trim the fat before the CEO comes. So again, here are uh, about 10,000 Americans who are going to be jobless for, you know, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, some good news, Apple, their iPhone orders. What's the new iPhone that uh, Brad and 11? Yeah, I'm going to have to get rid of mine. The camera's so dope. <laughs> it's so dope and low light. Um, their orders were 10% higher than expected. So that's a good, you know, a pretty good sign for us. Um, one of the things that... Um, uh, that's happening globally, of course, in Hong Kong. They're still f kind of fighting. The uh, Hong Kong government, China, uh, the, the, the residents of Hong Kong do not want to be a part of mainland China. Um, and the Chinese government, Hong Kong government, has said that people can't wear face masks anymore. It's like us wearing anonymous masks. You know, you're not supposed to do that. They want to be able to see who people are. So that uh, country has been basically striking and rioting for almost four months now. Um, they have shut, shut it down economically, and it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. Now, in India, India lowered their central bank, lowered their interest rates. Remember, uh, in last week, week before, I said that a lot of Europe, a lot of European countries, their bonds have negative interest rates. So in Denmark, you buy a house for 100000 the bank pays you $5,000. Sick. Right. Not going to happen here, hopefully. Then the other thing, the other beef we have going on is the European Union and the United Kingdom is still going through this messy divorce. Now they're fighting over the kids. Ireland. They want to figure out whether who's going to keep the Ireland Irish Customs um, Agency, whether or not it's going to be the EU or if it's going to be the UK. So they have, I think, about a week or two to, to resolve that, but we still don't know exactly if uh, the UK is going to get out of the EU because of Brexit and things like that. And then Zimbabwe and, and the motherland in Africa, the Zimbabwe government is pissed off at the United States because we have accused them of um, of having forced labor and conflict diamonds, et cetera, et cetera. And there's, I think it's called the Keller Project or Kenner Project, and they look at all the countries that actually do the blood diamond things, and Zimbabwe's not on it. So for the United States government, Zimbabwe says, please cut it out. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, my top five news stories for the week. No, no, no. No, no, no.
Yes, no, Facebook, no. We don't want your cryptocurrency. That's right. Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency is scheduled to launch next year. They came out the gate strong with 28 companies that signed on to help them build their digital infrastructure. Well, last week, another currency partner pulled out. That's right. This week, PayPal thought, you know, they tried to act like they had the flu. They didn't want to go speak in front of Congress. So um, also, the other people that have pulled out of the Libra cryptocurrency is MasterCard and Visa. And it's rumored that a host of others are looking at pulling out as well because... The regulators are not feeling Facebook um, and the things that they have done with our privacy and information. So even our Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, went as far as to say that he thinks Libra cryptocurrency is a threat to national security. Um, in Europe, the European governments have told Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Libra that to kick rocks. There is no way that the cryptocurrency will be legal in the European Union whatsoever. All right, so uh, we just spoke with uh, City Councilman Antonio Brown about mortgages and millennials buying houses. Well, there's some good news. The banks have heard your cries and 3% down mortgages for Lottie Dottie everybody. 3% mortgages are going to be available to people who don't typically qualify for FHA loans. So if you're thinking about buying a house, um, if you're curious about the different programs and loans and et cetera, things like that, just call us at our office, 404-633-99, wait, 404-633-9952, and we'll hook you up with a mortgage person who can tell you about some of the rules and regulations. Now, standard Fannie Mae underwriting rules will apply, but you have to do your own research. This may be an opportunity for you to go from renting to becoming a landowner or a property owner. Land ownership, property ownership is usually one of the first steps in wealth building. So why the sudden loosening of the rules? It's because millennials aren't buying houses and people in my age group are on the back end in most cases of paying off our homes and the banks don't see where that next big pot of money is going to be coming from. So, hey, don't listen to your friends. You want to do the math and figure out whether or not it makes sense for you to rent or own. <laughs> Yeah. So malware. Malware is affecting 2 million websites and they're stealing our credit card information according to Axios. So the new malware is called MageCart and it has become the most genius tool available to our cyber criminals and it's allowing them to steal our credit card information. Uh, if your credit card information is stored at Ticketmaster or with British Airways, you too could have been affected. If you have a website that you built on the Amazon cloud platform, um, I believe from what I read that there is some of this malware embedded into the website coding. So experts are recommending that if you need to pay um, digitally or online for something, don't use your credit card information. Definitely never, ever, ever use your debit card. But they're asking you to use things like Apple Pay or PayPal whenever possible or any other trusted payment um, payment type of website. Yes, Big Pharma is giving it to us again. Um, Big Pharma has clutched the pearls. Big Pharma has sinned again. Forgive me, Father. A drug company has been found guilty 
and ordered to pay $116 million in a fraud settlement. That's right. The Department of Justice, a.k.a. the DOJ, has announced that they reached a settlement with Avenir Pharmaceuticals. So we, you know, whistleblower thing is big in the news, but whistleblowers actually complained about their fraudulent practices about four years ago. So now this pharmaceutical company was allegedly, no, not allegedly because they were found guilty. They were paying doctors kickbacks and illegally marketing their claim to fame, Nudexta, as a drug to treat dementia. Now, Nudexta was actually approved by the Federal uh, Drug Administration, the FDA, to treat a rare condition characterized as uncontrollable crying or laughing known as PBA. So the three whistleblowers, they're going to receive a portion of this $116 million. Um, the Justice Department has also indicted two doctors and two salespeople for their role in this kickback conspiracy. Uh, the company unethically asked the salespeople uh, to go out and convince doctors to prescribe this drug to their patients. Uh, the other thing that some of these salespeople did was they went into nursing homes, they dressed in scrubs, they went to nursing stations, and they looked at records of patients to give doctors new customers to prescribe these drugs to. One salesperson um, actually um, forged a couple of doctors' signatures. So uh, it's, it's kind of sad because our dementia patients and the families dealing with family members that have dementia are at their wits' end from a financial standpoint, emotional standpoint, it's a lot. And to have our trusted physicians and people like that take advantage of us, especially giving a drug to our family members that does not help them, is just so unethical, so, so unethical. I think that this needs to go beyond uh, just a fine. I think the company needs to, they have proven that they don't need to be in existence anymore. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Hey, Facebook again. Zuckerberg is in the news again. So Facebook isn't satisfied with selling all of our data to Cambridge Analytica and all those other people, all the other apps that are attached to Facebook. Well, now Mark Zuckerberg, that's right, that Harvard dropout um, and the ethics for dummies businessman and oligarch in training, he wants to position Facebook as the equivalent of a global town hall for about 2 billion people. And one of the things he wants to do is he wants to use this new technology which marries our brain to computers. And it's going to allow us to navigate intuitively through what they're calling augmented reality. So think of kind of the matrix. So uh, without typing or speaking, you think it and it shall appear, almost like a Tony Stark and uh, Jarvis type of technology. So Facebook just acquired a company for $1 billion. They're called Control Labs, and they make these wristbands that will actually read our minds. Now, Facebook was trying to come out with these uh, glasses, these smart glasses, and they never fully got off the ground. This technology is possibly going to be the missing link. But, you know, we have to think again that, you know, this is Mark Zuckerberg, and that he may not be the best person to be in charge of this new technology that's coming out. Those are my top five news stories of the week. When we come back on Emma Knows Money, um, sponsored by AARP, 17 words and phrases to watch out for in consumer contracts. Football is heating up with new episodes of ITLI, All Good with Rita G, Straight Talk with Daphne, Financial Renaissance with Emma Folks, The Live Exchange with Dr. Pamela featuring Robert Pierce, and from the Emmy Award-winning CBS program, The Talk, it's the Cheryl Underwood Show, Whoa. Smart Talk, and an awesome mix for the smarter listener. 
only on radio that's not dumbed down. Friends and potential love interests online through dating sites, social media, or mobile apps. It can be a great way to meet people, but not everyone is who they say they are online. In fact, scams related to online relationships are on the rise. It's a red flag if the person wants to move quickly to personal email or instant messaging to continue talking. Professors love quickly, claims to be from the United States, but is working or traveling abroad, plans to visit but cancels at the last minute, asks for money to deal with an emergency, or asks you to open a bank account for them. Here are some things you can do. Cut off contact if you suspect a scam. Watch your wallet. Don't wire money, send cash, or put money on gift cards for someone you know only online. Learn more about online relationship scams at aarp.org backslash fraudwatchnetwork. And so a new American industry has been born. Sensation Station Network. Emma Knows Money is brought to you by AARP's Fraud Watch Network. Go to aarp.org or ssnatl.com and click the Fraud Watch Network banner for more info. And AARP is trying to keep us out of trouble, trying to keep us out of fraudulent situations. That's right. There are 17 words and phrases that I want you to look for in consumer contracts and service agreements. No one knows what the heck they're reading in all of this legalese stuff. We click accept, we push forward blindly, hoping that the company has our best interests at heart, and we should know by now that they do not. So, number one, if in your contract or whatever you're signing up for, if the service is free, uh, it is free because you are the product. So your information is more than likely being sold to advertisers. That's right. Number two, free trials. Uh, you can count on your busy life. They, they, they figure out that because you're busy and you don't remember anything, you won't remember to cancel your free trial after the 30-day or two-week period. So you put your credit card information in, but you never go back to unsubscribe. So set a reminder using Siri or whatever the googly thing is that can uh, set up a reminder. You know, I do it all the time. Siri, remind me to cancel X, Y, and Z on such and such date. And that way it'll pop up and you can cancel it. Now, if your trial is only for six months, then the co- remember that the cost will go bananas after the six-month period. Okay, so again, set a reminder. Automatic renewals are also kind of the zombies of the consumer universe. Who will remember in a year that they signed up for something? So again, make sure that you're setting up these reminders. Now, the opt-out thing. Um, when, you, when it comes to opting out, that should be a red flag because most lawyers know that people out, opt out of stuff because they don't read it. So if you see an opt-out, be very careful. Now, fees. Pay attention to this. If you forget to if you forget to pay or bounce a payment, there's probably going to be exorbitant fees. Make sure you understand everything there is to know about all the fees. And then if you see the words third party means that your data is being sold. Uh, learning more about your interests means that they're going to target you with a whole bunch of ads. Restocking fees. Go on and Google that one. But some of the other things that you really need to look at are the words extended warranty, not covered, Avoid the warranty, mandatory arbitration, class action waivers, and then liquidated damages. Now, liquidated damages is when they put a cap on the potential damages you could receive if you were to sue a company. 
And then limitations for a suit. You may have to um, sue, uh, sue the, the, the company faster than a speeding bullet, meaning they may only give you six months to sue them once you find out about something. Sometimes that's not enough time. And then last, uh, number 17, is hold harmless and indemnify us. Now, what this means is that you, the worker, or you, the consumer, could be stuck paying a corporation's legal fees if you sue them. No one wants to do that. So again, when you get these contracts or when you have these service agreements, you may not be a lawyer, you may not even play one on TV, but make sure you go through it and just look through um, the, for those words that I just listed, and I guess we can drop, the, uh, we can drop this list on the internet later on one of the pages all right but we'll do that so that you can and i would keep it and every time you look at a contract i would open it up and make sure that one of those words and symbols weren't on there now i do want to talk a little bit about sochi dinner so part of the sochi dinner that we went to they always send us home with a parting gift okay one one dinner it was monkey bread last night we got this delicious chocolate and what was it that the was it the truffles was it the truffle gate yes. so one 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 evening they sent us home with truffles and they sent us home with i think it was a box of five per couple one of our friends um didn't tell his spouse how many were in the box he his spouse only thought there were two there were five and then he ended up eating them all and i question <laughs> is that really love would you do that to me you would never do that to me Oh man, thank you, baby. I appreciate that. But yeah, there was Trufflegate. I mean, they have sent us home with biscuits and, and jam and just all types of things. Like, the way to my heart will always be through food because it, I think through food, we can find a common ground, we can share cultures, uh, we can experience different things just by what we put in our mouth and, and it brings us joy. And especially when it uh, also has a, uh, a bottle of wine to go with it. Yes, bottle of wine um, always makes the food go down so much easier. Shout out to my biological father who's watching us. What's going on, Jacques? Um, nice to see you, buddy. Anyway, uh, when we come back in 300 seconds on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I will have my wrap-up for you. Emma Knows Money is brought to you by AARP's Fraud Watch Network. Go to aarp.org or sssatl.com and click the Fraud Watch Network banner for more info. Just sing the song. Do it. And we're here to help with Smart Talk from programs like this. Your nation's urban station. Online on sssatl.com. What a great show we had today. You learned something this morning. You learned the difference between communism and capitalism. Now, I didn't teach you what capitalism means, but just like I didn't teach you what democracy means. I think those are things we either A, should have learned in school, or B, you can Google. We need to know those things so that we can, you know, have intelligent conversations. And when we're listening to the debates of our presidential candidates, we need to be hearing certain key words and phrases that will tell us that they're moving our country forward. Now, Shout out to MasterCard, okay? I don't know if you know this, but 250 million adults in the world are paid in cash. Now, these are garment workers, okay? People that make the clothes that we wear. 86% of them are in low-income countries, and out of that 86%, 68% of that number are women. 
75% of uh, the females are financially illiterate. So what MasterCard is doing, they are going to be, MasterCard teamed up with Levi Strauss, uh, Vanity Fair, who makes, I think, North Face and Timberland, a couple of other things that we wear. But they're going to start paying people digitally. So they're going to have access to credit cards as well as digital access. And what these digital payments are going to do are increase spending for a lot of the people that are un banked. So they're looking at uh, helping the unbanked uh, 500 million people by the year 2020. So shout out to them. Anytime I see a company that's helping people in impoverished nations or in impoverished areas do better or catch up with the rest of society, I, they get a big kudos. Now, um, also on the show today, we had uh, City Councilman Antonio Brown. And he told us about some really cool programs that are happening, some cooperative uh, grocery stores, housing, affordable housing being built in the city, and also opportunities for investment, investing into real estate. I mean, I think the city of Atlanta has over 4,000 houses that are abandoned. So being able to help build our, our communities back up, uh, self-gentrify, if you will, but really, you know, make it so that the people in our communities can afford to stay in their own communities um, and that so that they can also be inspired by other people. I think he called it multi, multi-use uh, living or something along those, huh? Mixed use, mixed use. Yes, just having different types of people from different backgrounds and different income levels living in the same area is not a bad thing. It helps inspire a lot of young people. So, um, you know, kudos to the city of Atlanta, our mayor, Keisha uh, Bottoms, and also Antonio Brown and, you know, the, my family grad that I live in the house with. Um, so coming up, we have Smooth Sensational Sunday. Um, this week on Sen uh, Sensation Station Network, we've got a couple of surprises. We are um, kind of doubling down on radio, not dumbed down. So we are uh, constantly evolving the programming that we have on the station. Um, you know, tell your friends about it. Share what we're doing here. Um, we are um, minority owned. Uh, we are in the city of Atlanta, but the show is reaching all across the world. We have people watching us in Haiti right now. We have people watch, watching us in Costa Rica. We have people watching us in England. We have people watching us in Cali. We have people watching us in New York, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, one love. I will see you guys next week. And as always, if you learn something of value, each one, teach one. Thank you.